information that we are sharing today is our own personal experience and does not constitute as medical advice. We do not endorse any products or services. Any said products or services mentioned on this podcast may not be suited for you or your condition. Please consult your physician before making any medical decisions. This episode is sponsored by the Wolfen Chair in Digital Health. The You Can Can Do Study, a Canada-Netherlands network in precision medicine, in childhood arthritis and rheumatic disease, will allow doctors and families to quickly know who needs biologics, which biologics works best for their individual child, and when can the biologic be safely stopped. Canadian and Dutch physician researchers formed an alliance, You Can Can Do, together with patient and industry representatives and policymakers to develop their first genomics-based, low-cost biomarker blood test to rapidly identify the best treatment for each individual child, completely transforming the care of childhood arthritis. More about how they want to achieve this will be featured in future episodes. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode on Take a Pain Check. We're very excited to announce this week's guest, Megan Green. Megan is 41 years old and happily married for 20 years with two children, a daughter aged 18 and a son aged 20. She resides in Orange Park, Florida and enjoys spending time with her family and has a passion for fashion and beauty. Hi, Megan. We're so happy to have you on today. Can you start off by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your condition? Oh, okay. Well, like she said, my name is Megan and I do live in Florida. Um, I grew up most of my life in Ohio. Moved to Florida when I was just married at age 21. So I've been here for quite a while. Um, gosh, my journey. Hmm. It's been a rough one. It's been a very rough one. Um, I've had a lot of medical issues throughout the course of my life, a lot. Um, but honestly, like 2014 was kind of like the break for me. I actually broke my tailbone and that's kind of when everything just started to downward spiral. Um, I had to have surgery. The surgery never, like I had four surgeries. They never healed. Um, so I have a chronic wound on my tailbone that to this day from 2014 still has not healed from surgery. And um, a lot of the pain started happening shortly thereafter the first, the first few surgeries, um, joint pain, swelling, um, just being fully miserable, uh, miserable. <laughs> I'll never forget the first time that I had the worst pain, my the start of the worst pain for me as far as like my rheumatoid arthritis. I was going to beep the horn at my daughter with both of my hands like this. And I got these shooting pains all the way, like from both hands, all the way into my wrists, my thumbs locked up. It was the worst pain. And I was like, that's really unusual. After that, it started getting worse and worse. And, you know, it's, you know, like with any autoimmune disease, you know, you start with certain symptoms and then they just continue to progress. Like I said, mine were swelling, um, lots of joint pain. Um, I started getting these horrible red rashes um, when I was either in the heat too often or walking too much. And they would just stay like they were just massive red rashes on my legs. And they would stay there for 
a day or two. My feet would swell up, my legs would swell up. I'd have massive edema, which edema is swelling of, you know, your ligaments because of water retention, what have you. And they it would get bad. Like my legs would get triple the size that they normally are. And I'm like, something's just not right. Um, so I went into see an RA doctor, rheumatoid arthritis doctor, and they did the testing. Um, they came back and said, yep, you have rheumatoid arthritis markers and we're going to start you on, they started me on prednisone, a very low dosage of prednisone. And, um, a very low, I, I would have to, I can't even remember now, but they started me on a very, very low dosage because of the fact that I had the wound on my tailbone. They didn't want to start me on anything like too strong for the RA um, medicine because it could affect the healing process of my wound. So I started that was on that for about a year. I mean, it was okay. It wasn't helping tremendously, but it was helping enough. Yeah. Then my insurance changed. <laughs> and they said I could no longer see this rheumatoid arthritis doctor. When I say that I had to go to this new doctor and she told me, oh, you're too young. Now, mind you, you guys know because you're young. I was 36 at the time, mm -hmm. so not that young. She says, you're too young to have rheumatoid arthritis. We're going to trick your body into thinking you don't have it. Wait, what? Huh? Whoa, what? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So this was your doctor yeah, it was the brand new um, rheumatoid arthritis doctor that I saw one time. <laughs> so one time, took me off all of my medications. I had nothing. I fought for two years, two years to get back into my original rheumatoid arthritis doctor. I had to fight my insurance company and say, listen, like this is not, <laughs> like, how are you going to do that? Um, luckily, I got back into her because, you know, over that two years, no medication, um, symptoms just getting worse and worse and worse. The first time I went back in to see the um, original RA doctor, she did a full full panel of blood work. She did all the testing that she needed to do. Um, went back in for my, my checkup and she says, I've got more news for you. And what's that? You have lupus. Oh my gosh. So in total, how many diagnoses do you have right now? <laughs> like, um, I have fibromyalgia. I have rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, which lupus and RA kind of can coincide together. Um, to be honest with you, they, there's a lot of similarities to them with lupus, your, your autoimmune your autoimmune, where am I going with this? Your body, basically your autoimmune system just basically attacks itself and attacks anything healthy that's going on. So um, it attacks your joints, it attacks your liver, your heart, your kidneys. Um, and it just, again, it's alongside of rheumatoid arthritis. So for the longest time, I thought it was just RA when, you know, but um, I have that. And then I also have high blood pressure, which they think is caused from all of the stress that my body has been under 
So, yeah. <laughs> so what do you think kind of sparked all of these triggers? I know you mentioned like your tailbone, but do you think there was like anything else that, like something that you believe might have caused um, all of these diagnoses and yeah, and kind of like your journey, like usually like someone think, would think, oh, it's stress or something like that. Like, what do you think? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, I had a hysterectomy when I was 25 also, because um, like I said, I've had a lot of medical issues growing up, like just full on. And um, so I lack a lot of hormones. So there's one factor that can cause your body to completely go out of whack. Um, and a hysterectomy, for those that don't know, that's completely removing any, um, your uterus, your, um, ovaries, like anything female related. Um, I was having some major issues with that. So they went in and they took that out. Um, but stress causes like stress from the tailbone, the lack of hormones and, the pain that I was going through on a daily basis, I think kind of just threw my body into a complete spiral. And, and that's where it took me. During like this whole diagnosis process, did you, did you feel ever like that second doctor that you went to, did you ever feel like maybe she was right, that you were too young for RA? And like, it really affected your mental health in that way? Absolutely. I mean, I know, you know, these, these typical diseases in general can affect your mental health regardless. I mean, you know, across the board, but with her telling me you're too young, you know, you, there's no way that you can have it. I honestly, I kept thinking to myself, could this just be like in my head? Like, could I just be manifesting these, you know, pains, this, these symptoms, but at the same time, it's really hard to manifest, you know, rashes on your body, your legs swelling up triple the size. And the pain was just so, so, so severe all the time that I would cry myself to sleep and um, I couldn't, or I couldn't sleep because I was so miserable that you know, I knew that there was something there. I knew, and like I said, the first doctor told me. So, you know, you know that there's something there, but then you kind of question yourself, like, should I try something else? Should I listen to her? Yeah. And in general, like on a day-to-day basis now, what, like what is kind of affected? So what are some of your symptoms that you usually get? Because you have so many different conditions, like, how, like, what do you get every single day? Because I know that some people with, like, for example, we have JIA, mm-hmm. uh, juvenile idiopathic arthritis, and, like, we have a set, set, like, a set amount of symptoms we can potentially get, but you have, like, fibromyalgia and lupus and RA and high blood pressure. So how does your daily life work in terms of symptoms? <laughs> um, well, it kind of depends. It, it's like a day-by-day kind of thing. Um, for me... A lot of it is like major joint pain, you know, fingers, legs, knees, toes, the, the whole nine, like it's across the board. Um, and then 
like I said, I get edema very, very badly. Um, if I'm walking too much, even, even if it's just the slightest bit, the slightest bit, if I'm walking just a bit too much, I will swell up double the size, triple the size. Um, I'll get these rashes. Like I said, uh, those are awful. Lupus will also affect your skin as far as sun. Um, cause if you're yeah. out in the sun and I didn't really notice that I didn't know this, to be honest with you, it was newer in my, uh, cause I was just diagnosed in 2019, the end of 2019 with lupus. And my husband and I just started doing a, uh, we love to go kayaking. He does the kayaking. I just sit <laughs> and he does it. But, um, I didn't realize that with lupus, the sun is a huge trigger. Mm -hmm. I ended up with third degree burns on my legs Mm -hmm. because the sunblock that I had on wasn't working. And it was the worst, worst pain I've ever felt in my entire life. Worst. And um, so that's just another thing with lupus. You're very sensitive to the sun. Um, sleeping is here and or there. It just depends on how you're feeling the weather that day. Um, you know, if it's rainy or cold, you feel like everything's going to break or too hot. <laughs> In my case, it, you feel like everything's going to break. I've lost my hair. I've lost a lot of hair, um, a lot of hair. I used to have like really beautiful, I mean, thick hair, not so much anymore. And um as far as oh, in my nails, yes, these are fake, but uh, my nails used to be really, this is all kind of like stupid stuff. But to me, this is stuff that's actually changed over the course of the last two years, especially. Um, I used to have beautiful, thick now. Now I can't even keep them. They break like that. So it's just different things that happen to your body that uh, just change everyday life, yeah. everyday life. Yeah. Like I said, it, the the pain is the most important, like the, the worst part of it, because it doesn't matter what kind of medicine you're on or what you're doing. It can take the edge off, but it's not going to take it away. Yeah. And you mentioned like hair loss and nails and stuff like that. Like, although other people may not think it's important, like I know I've had so much hair loss because of like methotrexate. Um, and the other drugs that I'm on, like other people may not think it's like such a big deal, but if they were to experience it, they'd understand that like, even like being a girl, um, being a teenage girl, even a mother, everyone around you has like such nice hair and you like go to the washroom and I literally see all this hair on the floor and I'm like, what is going on? And like, I always ask my doctor, um, so like, is there anything I can take, anything I can do to get like more hair? Like right now it's kind of just like, I know like nothing. So I'm just hoping that my dosage like comes down and maybe some hair starts to come back, but it's definitely not stupid. And it is valid to say that like hair and nails, like those are things that everyone kind of cares about. Um, and if they had to experience that, then like, I don't know what they do. So yeah. So yeah. Really yeah. No, and, and, and that's 100% true. As, as superficial as it might sound for somebody like, you know, saying, oh, I'm losing. I mean, medicine alone, A, will help your hair fall out. Um, and it changes, like it's changed the way that my hair grows in. And I do um, color my hair, but it also changes the 
way that the coloring takes your hair, but lupus in general makes your hair fall out. Like mm-hmm. my, my eyelashes were falling out. My eyebrows were falling out. Like it just, like I said, it attacks your, your healthy tissue, your healthy everything. So it's constantly fighting against, you know, what, what you got going on. So medicine and lupus alone, just. Oh, so what's your way of coping with all of that? As far I just learned to love myself, you know, as far as coping with the hair loss, coping with, um, there's really no way to cope with the pain per se. Like I said, you know, you take the medicine, you take, you do what you have to do mm-hmm. and it takes the edge off, but it's not all, it's never going to go away. But as far as like the superficial stuff, you just, you learn to love yourself um, you learn to find ways to make yourself feel beautiful on the outside um, to kind of match how you're not matched because you're not feeling so beautiful on the inside, but, but to know your spirit, you know what I mean? To match your spirit and know what, how you're feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's kind of why I started doing what I was doing because I hated feeling so down all the time, physically and mentally. Um very depressed, you know, and it is, it takes so much, it gives so much depression to you and makes you just feel so vulnerable. You know what I mean? It, it just, so you kind of find ways to make yourself feel stronger, healthier, happier and other ways, whichever way you can. And my dog helps a lot. (laughs) (laughs) He keeps me happy. (laughs) Yeah. What have you kind of learned from having to be your, a self-advocate with uh, the insurance company and those things? Y'all, you need to fight for yourself. No one's going to fight for you as hard as you're going to fight for yourself. It took, I guess, you know, it, it took me two years of paperwork, calling insurance, going through all the loopholes, um, saying, no, there's definitely something wrong. There's definitely something going on and people not wanting to listen or telling you that it's in your head. You really have to know, you know, what you're saying, know what you're feeling, know what you're thinking and make sure to express that. Don't sit on it. You know, if, if you sit on how you're feeling, no one's going to take, take you seriously. And I feel like some of the doctors these days, they're just so quick to, and I'm not bashing doctors by any means, but they're so quick to just say, here's some medicine, you know, it's really important to find a doctor that actually cares about you and cares about what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And I luckily found a great family physician that she'll sit with me for like an hour and just ask me, you know, Hey, what's, what's with this? What's with that? And, um, and she'll advocate for me as well. So it's really important to help help yourself find somebody that's going to help, or not somebody, but a doctor that's going to help push that process along as well. Mm-hmm. You, you can't necessarily do it 100% yourself, but at the same time, you have to just be strong enough to say, I'm not giving up. Like I, with any type of diagnosis, like anything that's going on, don't give up until somebody listens to you. I remember sitting at the Mayo Clinic, going through all of this stuff and just crying my eyes out because the doctor at the Mayo Clinic said that he wanted to do comfort care for me at age 34. 
because he didn't believe that anything was going on. Now, if you're not familiar with what comfort care is, that is what they do for people that are close to passing away or at a very horrible stage in their diseases or what have you. They basically keep them comfortable. Medicine. Um, I'm not just wanting to sit around and be like, no, let's just keep me comfortable. To figure out what's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, that That's a lot to hear. Um, like comfort care. Um, <laughs> oh, man. I think it's like you said, it's super important to find a doctor that will help you with what you have and support you. It definitely sometimes can be very challenging. Like I had the same challenge. I kind of had to skip through doctors to find the one that uh, is really supportive and very open-minded to everything because it's very difficult and challenging. But I think like when you get to that doctor, like everything kind of seems to be, I guess, more, you feel better and you're relaxed and you're like, okay, even though I have these conditions, I have someone who will take care of me and make sure that I'm okay. So that I, I totally agree with you. And like we mentioned earlier, you have two children, a daughter who's 18 and a son who's 20. Does it ever scare you that your children might have a risk of any of these diseases? Um, if so, just like you can talk about it. But like yeah. How- yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it scares me very much so because these are um, types of diseases that can be passed down hereditary um and just knowing you know what I've had to go through and what I'm dealing with I would never want ever want my children to have to go through something like that um it's not you know as a mom you just never want your kids to suffer you never want your kids to have to live with any of the stuff that you've had to live with so um you know, I keep a close eye out and if they start saying, well, this is going on or this is going on, you know, if I feel like it's something that could be worth looking into, then we would definitely look into it. Um, luckily so far, they're they're very healthy and very wily little kids, not little kids, big kids, big kids. They kill me if they <laughs> say little kids. <laughs> so how old were your kids when you were diagnosed? Um, so I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis in 2014. So my daughter was 11 mm-hmm. and my son would have been, um, four, uh, four, going on 14. And then I was diagnosed with lupus in 2000, the end of 2019. So she, my daughter would have been, uh, seven, hold on, gotta do the math. <laughs> 16. He would have been 18. And how did they react to the diagnosis? What was that? How did they react to the diagnosis? I mean, they, they've reacted very, they've had to see a lot growing up with me as far as, like I said, I've had a lot of medical stuff pretty much since their entire lives. So they've seen a lot (laughs) They've, they've witnessed me having seizures and syncopal episodes and um, they've, they've just, they've had to endure a lot and I hate that for them and, or, and my husband, like I hate that so much, but they definitely, um, 
give me a lot of strength and, and help me. Um, I just wish that they would help me physically, you know, do laundry or dishes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we love that. Yeah, I totally understand. Like, I don't even do like, um, I even was like a parent who doesn't have a condition. They'd also say the same laundry and dishes. Well, yeah, or clean up after themselves when they're done cooking or, you know, but, <laughs> but they're pretty great kids. I mean, they, they're really great kids. They, um, they help out when they can and they do what they can, but you know, it's, it's not been easy for any of us in this house because, you know, one person with one issue, it just changes the whole dynamic of everything, you know? Yeah. So you have a growing Instagram page of nearly 4.5 K followers where you share your passion for beauty and fashion. So what, inspire you to start your page? I kind of um, talked about it a little bit ago. Um, so my biggest thing has always been, you know, when you feel like crud on the inside, as we do relatively often, it always just makes you feel so much better, even if it's just for that slight little bit of time to make yourself, you know, look put together, you know, makeup mm -hmm. or hair done or mm -hmm. clothes, you know, that nice new outfit to go out into or, you know, getting some makeup or what, you know, whatever it is that makes you feel your best. And so I really just wanted to help women and men that are struggling and it, and it doesn't have to be with a physical illness. It can be an, an emotional illness. It could be, you know, any of those, cause that's going to make you feel like crud on the inside. I just want to make people feel, you know, it's okay to look and feel good. And one day look amazing. And the next day look like you just woke up out of bed all day. <laughs> And, you know, make people happy, make people laugh because, you know, it's important to do because laughter is what kind of heals your soul. And yeah. I like laughing and I like making people laugh and making pe people feel pretty and, and loved and important. So that's basically why I started it, um, just to help yeah. all of us. <laughs> <laughs> How has this page helped you grow as a person? Um, honestly, through this page and my Facebook, I have made some incredible friends uh, that are like me. One of my very, very best friends, I met her through social media. She has um, a disease called Ehlers-Danlos mm -hmm. and it's similar to lupus. It's similar to RA, but it, there's, there's a lot of other things that go along with it. And her and I just, it's kind of like you two, you know, she, her and I just have so much in common that it's so amazing to have somebody that you can talk to and share your good, your bad, you're ugly or otherwise in between. Um, because 
to be honest with you, throughout the course of all of this, since all of my medical stuff, I've lost some, I lost a lot of friends. I've lost a family because no one understands, you know, what you're going through. No one gets that going out isn't something that you feel up to. Yeah. They just don't understand it. So they kind of just, you know, move on with their life and that's fine. We all move on. So it's important to find people that are like-minded that can, you know, share in the triumphs and share in the lows. And that's one of the biggest things that has helped me through all of this is communicating with people that are just like me. I agree with that. I think most of the time, well, communication is always kind of the best way to go. And if people don't understand you, um, that's their loss. <laughs> I'd say like you've been through a lot and that just makes you strong and resilient. And honestly, like having other people even invalidate you or tell you that like, okay, like that's weird. Like you're lying, anything like that or anything of that sort, like they're not worth it <laughs> in the nicest way possible. It's definitely like, I'm so glad that you found someone that you could talk to um, that understands you because support is super important. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. It's, it, it's been a struggle and, and it, not just physically, but emotionally, because I've had to, you know, figure out ways to cope with the losses, you know? Yeah. There's been a lot. So it's, but you find ways and you do it and you just keep moving forward because, you know, at the end of the day, we're worth it and we're worth, you know, everything that we still have to offer. Yeah. So. You're very on top of social media trends. <laughs> how do your, how do your kids feel about that? Um, there are some of them that they're just kind of like, really, mom, really, <laughs> did you have to do that? I want so badly for them to do more, you know, reels with me or TikToks with me because I'm like, I would love to do this with my daughter. I would love to do this. And they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they also know that it's kind of my way to cope and make people laugh and make myself laugh. I mean, I love laughing at myself. I am the biggest, I, I'm a dork. I'm a hundred percent dork. And I am so fine with people laughing at me. I'm so fine with laughing at myself because what's the point of taking life so seriously? Yeah. I mean, yeah. TikTok and reels are very entertaining. Like I think I can spend like a good amount of my day just scrolling through the app and finding entertainment. And what's unique about it is that everyone kind of gets like their own um, whatever they kind of like is what shows mm -hmm. up on their page. So it kind of just like, you know, fits everyone and their needs for entertainment. <laughs> right. You'll see a lot of me um, with my dog. Obviously, you guys can tell that I absolutely am obsessed with my dog. Um, and I mean, right now he's trying to attack a gecko that's climbing the window. So um, <laughs> he's never too far behind me. He's my shadow. But um yeah, it's like you said, they, they take these reels and they, you know, we put our own spin on them and make them just exactly what we want them to be, just to 
I don't know. I love making people laugh. I love making people smile. So. Yeah. So we, we usually like to ask our guests for some pieces of advice and what is one piece of advice you would give to those whose doctors don't believe that their symptoms are real and they're going through all of the, all those emotions and feelings. What is an advice you would give them? First of all, I would say take a long, hard look at yourself in the mirror and know that you need to fight for yourself. You know that you need your, your, this is your life, your one body, and you need to fight for yourself. Secondly, I would say if you can't get anywhere with your doctor, there's always other doctors out there. And like you said, uh, keep looking until you find that doctor that's going to listen to you and say, all right, there's a valid there's a valid point here. Like there's something going on. Let's try and get down to the bottom of it. And I wouldn't stop until they do. If you know that something is wrong, it's wrong. I mean, it's, it's like anything else, you know, if you know, you're not supposed to touch a hot stove, don't touch a hot stove. If you know, your (laughs) body is telling you, you know, it's way off. Like you're not right. It's time to go take it to the next, the next, the next doctor, the next doctor, the next doctor, until you finally get somebody that understands you. Yeah. Yeah. So for those who are receiving multiple diagnoses, what would you want to say to them? Take one diagnosis at a time. Learn as much as you can about, I mean, there's so much information out there about any of these diagnoses. And Yes, Google is a great friend, but don't always Google your symptoms. <laughs> um, yeah, learn that the hard way. And then you're kind of like going down a rabbit hole. Talk to your doctor. Get as much information as you possibly can. Um, know what medicines you're taking and make sure that you're not, you know, sometimes, usually the pharmacists are pretty good about it, but. I've had situations where, you know, medicines have kind of interacted with each other. So, you know, know your medications, know what you're taking at all times. I have a little pamphlet that I keep in my purse that I, if the doctor asks, I'm like, this is what I'm taking. This is what I'm taking. This is what I'm taking. And, you know, you just have to take it one, one diagnosis at a time, learn as much as you can be proactive about each, each of your diseases and, you know, trying to do your, um, due diligence, um, and, you know, follow different things for your disease will help, you know, as far as like diet and exercise and stuff like that, but listen to your body too. If you're not able to do exercise and all of that stuff, don't Mm -hmm. do it. And to end us off, what is a message that you hope to spread throughout the community? We're all worth it. We're all worthy of feeling our best even if it's just um, putting on that makeup for the day, doing your hair, you know, as hard as it can be, try and give yourself a little bit of love, self-love every single day. Um, Laughter, 
it helps. So thank you so much, Megan, for coming on to our podcast today. We had such a great discussion, even though there was sad, you know, things we had to get through and stressful things. You have made a platform that really helps a lot of people and spreads positivity and awareness. So thank you for coming on. And everyone, like, comment, subscribe. Check out Megan's social media. We'll put it down below. And we'll see everyone next week on Take a Pain Check. Bye. Thank you.